0: You know what we haven't heard in a long time, Brando? Christmas carols. What? <laughs> Just hear those d p peas jingling, <laughs> ring ting
1: tingling too. The water's lovely.
0: Is I'm something? dreaming of a dry <laughs> snorkel. people talking about in a while in on the scuba webs like they used to back in the day they used to always be talking about futuristic scuba you know what scuba would be like in 2020 what scuba would be like in the year 2000 but i think now that we're in the 2000s and now that the 2020s nobody gives a shit about the future anymore
1: where are my goddamn flying cars that they promised me? The Jetsons yeah, said. Yeah, and they're like I, we missed it. We missed it by a mile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we we really missed it.
0: You know, in the early days, a diver went down underwater with a depth gauge,
1: a diver's watch. Goddamn diver's watch.
0: And uh, probably was carrying some waterproof Navy dive tables. Right. Just just in case he blew his plan. Right. You know, so they knew we were going to go to 100 feet. We had 20 minutes to play around. But just in case we really screwed the pooch, so to say, I'd whip out my old dive tables and, and figure out a way to get home. Later on, we would we would start to, in the future, <laughs> in the future back then, we would learn
1: to gas plan a little bit better for for an emergency
0: but in the day i mean that was pretty yeah, much so it the
1: past future we got to uh the idea of better gas planning and better dive planning the past future yeah and
0: then later on they would use these futuristic
1: devices called buoyancy compensators right right and those yeah those uh came out of the garage in the beginning Old tires, inner tubes, whatnot, strapped to you. <laughs> it worked, though. Right, I'm sure they got laughed at. I think they got laughed at a lot.
0: In the, you know, it's
1: it's funny. That's a
0: funny discussion. You know, it it no. was. was was the original, you know, one kind of like uh, the split fin of, of tomorrow? Well. <laughs> people show up, When the people originally started showing up? Uh, yeah. Like, what the, what is this guy well, doing? Well, I think
1: you have to have those, you know, invented in the garage kind of moments in order to spark a production of it. A, or a, in order to spark the minds coming together to refine the invention, you know, I don't think I think there's a big difference with like split fins. Split fins, kind of, they haven't really evolved to anything <laughs> other than a split. Well, fin. no, they they <laughs> uh, no, they actually
0: they weren't really an evolution right, of fin exactly. technology. As, as much as they were a realization that most divers in the late nineties and still today don't know how to swim don't know how to move water productively underwater, and it is an engineered (laughs) handicap efficiency maker. So that if you have a a handicap with your ability to move water, this allows you to keep your terrible dive mechanics and still have forward (laughs) That is
1: a bold criticism right there. <laughs> That's good. I love it. <laughs> if anybody if anybody wants to meet me at the water, I'll prove it to him. Meet me. Meet me. Meet me behind the, the building. We'll ta- we'll talk it over.
0: But the, I mean the BCD originally was uh, you know, because the the guys that were diving and the gals that were diving back then, one of the difficult parts was getting to the surface, you know, off the boat and then being able to stay afloat at the beginning of the dive and not struggling and working if something did go wrong. So having a way to create positive buoyancy so that you could sit at the surface for a few minutes or comfortably float around waiting for a boat after a dive.
1: Right. And they eventually evolved into what we have now. And there's been numerous uh, attempts at automatic BCDs and, you know,
0: well, that's kind of what got me going back, is, is looking at that new one that just came out at DEMA that they released that was all over the, the press recently. <laughs> that new HydroTank BCD system from a Velo. But like a, like a whole wild contraption to eliminate the need for a BCD. If you're, if you're diving in a pair of uh, swim trunks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and and, and that's it, yeah. maybe.
1: Well, that's probably the vast majority of divers. They're Caribbean. They are Caribbean type divers, right? The mainstream.
0: Yeah, and I get it, and I, I think that's the way a lot of the gear innovation yeah. goes and has gone for decades. It's they they look at you know it's why every dive shop in america and probably the world carries the same couple of lines of gear why everybody's selling the same type of stuff for classes is because it's selling to the masses and the masses are get me a class as quick as possible get me my certification pat me
1: on the yeah. back and give me technology to to keep me alive underwater yeah no you're 100% right the uh and I get it. I mean, you need money at the end of the day to, to survive. So if you're going to uh, shell out the money, you're going to take the risk to, to develop new equipment. You are going to want it marketable to a lot of, you know, the vast majority of the diving demographic. I guess that's also why tech diving gear is, is equipped. Uh, that is, the tech diving equipment is very expensive usually. Yeah, because they're selling a, a mm. fraction
0: of the numbers, but the tooling costs right, the same. Right,
1: of course. <laughs> they're just not producing yeah. mass amounts. And a lot of times they you know, start out in a, a pole barn or something in the backyard.
0: Right, but they're producing a product generally that is really there to fit a specific exactly. need underwater. Not just you know created in a boardroom uh, of uh, <laughs> another way to to get dollar bills dollar
1: bills it's a big You're difference exactly right
0: back before there was sheer water mania <laughs> 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 um it was it was that it was a depth gauge in a bottom timer and you understood the 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 table's internally and then they started coming out with devices like the remember like the deco the deco meter yes, i have one of those and the 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 s the SOS
1: yeah. decometer. Yes. i have one in the box still
0: which was a new which was like it wasn't really a digital dive computer but it was mm-hmm. like the new decompression monitoring
1: device wasn't there a nickname for that like the death de- de- bendamatic <laughs> oh, that's it yeah <laughs>
0: The Bend, uh, yeah, the Bendomatic, exactly. Well, it was, it was, it was basically just like
1: a '57 Chevy <laughs> on your arm. <laughs> you had to be strong back in the day with a couple of
0: with a couple of, <laughs> a couple of yeah. balloons in there that would squeeze and push a needle and and give you a reading that was later proved to be
1: not no. accurate. Well, at it's all. like stay below your smallest bubble thing they used to say, which when they did actual testing and how fast you're ascending if you're staying below your smallest bubble you're still ascending at like a hundred plus feet a minute
0: (laughs) yeah and in in the in the early 90s there was a company that that tried to make it selling little tiny plastic i remember i remember (laughs) right they're 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 called i think dive (laughs) bubbles
1: that you release so
0: you clipped you you clip this little plastic little clip to your BCD, and uh, when it was time to go out, you would <laughs> pop
1: exactly. a release a bubble,
0: <laughs> pop a ping pong ball out, and it would float up to the surface. And your goal was to stay below the little yeah. floating ball.
1: Ingenious or ridiculous, <laughs> you make the call. <laughs>
0: Well, seeing as we haven't done a, uh, a a gift guide yet this year, let's. See, what are you going to do? Thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs down. Uh,
1: well, you know what I'm going to say, uh, but uh, it would be cool to to have yeah. these these. Uh, I don't want to call them inventions; these devices, these marketing tools, whatever. These inventions, I guess, is uh, about the best word for it. It would be cool to have like a museum of these things. No other, no like practical dive gear. No good what I would call useful dive gear. Just a ridiculous the the museum of the ridiculous. And that would be in it. That would be in it. <laughs> oh, it, it certainly Although would. The bendomatic maybe not. I mean, the the idea behind it. I guess the bendomatic is also what sparked, you know, actual dive computers that are pretty uh spot on for the most part. It's a lot safer because of dive computers now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In in many ways, I would yeah. say that you're right. But you know myself, and, and I yeah. know you are too, a, a pretty much a purist when it comes absolutely. to a lot of things. You know, there's I – w- I would say that the only negative that you have with today's modern dive computers is – it's taken away everybody's ability to even give two flying shits about what it is that the numbers
1: are really it trying to say breeds complacency brother yeah.
0: yeah exactly exactly i'm That's with like, you like you know
1: and i i tell my kids that too you know relying on uh <laughs> relying on you know it's just making you weaker because you rely on something else to do the actual work you know, instead of actually doing the work of learning how to dive, learning and knowing what's going on when you're diving, you just are are there to be told what to do, and, you know, you don't have to do the brain work. It's like the calculators taking over in math. You know, God forbid we ever have a uh, non-electricity moment in this world, on this planet, uh, because there's going to be hundreds of millions of people that will just be unable to calculate numbers oh can
0: you imagine if we have another black emp man like we did in the early 2000s where you're out of power for a week (laughs) No. no recharging of an iphone oh lord and now nobody knows how to add and divide and multiply nobody knows how to open up a
1: paper map and get anywhere oh yeah have you ever well you don't have children but like i could throw my my old paper map to them and say here you go (laughs) we're exactly plan a trip remember planning like the a trip to florida
0: Uh, dad (laughs) i'm not i'm not egyptian what am i gonna do with these hieroglyphics
1: exactly Exactly. well i was having this chat with my uh my oldest son who's like you know talking about directions and you know i was telling him so you want to head west down something such a road for about three and a half miles and then you're going to come upon this and uh head north from there is that left <laughs> exactly. or right exactly and he he goes you know i'm really bad with directions and i said well that's because you normally just throw it in your uh google maps or whatever map you know your iphone maps and let it tell you where to go and like like i was saying they go there and they might have been there three or four times but they've never taken the time to look at how they actually got there they just let the ma- machine tell them make the turn you'll you know turn left in a half mile
0: you know oh yeah exactly like and is yeah. this not dive computers today is this not taking that computer plugging in yeah. your gradient factor and getting home successfully dive after dive after dive after dive and building up a confidence that you don't really have an ability to reproduce because it's the same thing with you know I'm going somewhere I plug it into my GPS I drive there I make the turn when I got it tells me to turn I I get on the highway when it tells me to get on the highway I get off when I'm supposed to and now if you got blindfolded and taken right back to the (laughs) starting point and said okay do it again (laughs) You would go,
1: oh, uh, where do I go? Minute. Yeah.
0: And I guess th- that's my big thing with, with with a lot of the computers is it doesn't teach the journey of getting home. It just throws uh, it out the numbers for you to follow. Well, that's a good exactly. word for
1: it, too, is there is no longer uh, any emphasis on the journey. It's all about the destination, which, you yeah. know, it throws out 90% of diving. <laughs> the real... You know, and joy of diving, if you ask me so my we're yeah, like a couple of old men here yeah, just crit- you kids. Uh, all I can hear is <laughs> okay, boomer, get off my lawn,
0: God damn it you know all the kids have already turned us off, so if you. <laughs> If you are an old, angry bastard like ourselves and are still listening, <laughs> thank you for, for sticking well, with us.
1: I think us. that angry moniker. We really do have somewhere where we're, we're yeah, trying to go to. Well, I think we're getting a bad rap with the angry thing. We're not angry. I'm not angry about it. Maybe it comes across that way. So in 1985, the staff over at
0: Undercurrent, which is a diving publication that kind of like the the inside news of what's going on in the... The scuba world, pre-internet, this was the, the first place you got a lot right. of the inside story, gossip, the the real news, so to say. Well, they had asked the then president of Techna, Ralph Osterhout, Theodore Roosevelt, yeah. what the future of diving was going to look like in another 15 years, in, in the year 2000.
1: What did he say immediately? What was his first knee-jerk reaction response? Uh,
0: I'm sure his first response was, well, techna will be the largest <laughs> scuba manufacturer in the yeah, world. Yeah, And And uh, he missed that mm-hmm. one like, quite a bit.
1: Absolutely. We're all going to live underwater. That's what I would say.
0: Oh, man, you remember remember all the, the artwork and stuff, that mm-hmm. you know, back in those days in the 80s of what the year 2000 was going to be like? And all these guys into the early 90s really were like, everything will be rebreather. Everything's going to be heads-up display. You know, you're basically going to breathe. And all of this amazing... Turn of the century, new millennium. And the equipment and technology will just fly
1: you—you know—down mm-hmm. and back. You'll take a pill, and you'll be able to breathe underwater. Everybody's going to be, as well, like.
0: yes, you're going to take a pill. You're going to be able to get gills yeah. implanted. Well, uh, everybody's going to be in a newt <laughs> yeah. suit. You know, they're going to have personal newt suits for fifteen hundred dollars, and you don't have to even worry about anything anyway. It's—it was all technology mm-hmm. based.
1: That decompression pill, and, and I, that?
0: Th- and I think that's where, <laughs> I think that's where everybody in the in the industry really has stayed focused on was equipment technology, and there's very few people out there that have personalized it and kept it human like like we've tried to do you know it's the it 's the center structure of all of my education, which is
1: building human confidence right, underwater divers be an actual diver, I guess that 's the at the core of it and in order to know that, you have to define what is a you know an actual diver human interacting underwater kind of thing but and I mean we have become more uh, advanced with the technology it 's helped, but how far off are we? What did he say well let 's take a look. He starts off with masks,
0: and he says masks are going to become smaller and lighter, like 6 to 10 ounces. They will be made of translucent silicon flanged with structural resin frames and instant strap locking mechanisms, allowing adjustment during the dive. You know how many times during your dive you need to adjust your mask. They will undergo a transition to ultra-compact 16 to 18-ounce full face masks with instantly removable second-stage regulators weighing only 4 to 6 ounces themselves. This will eliminate jaw fatigue resulting from prolonged dives and greater distances traveled underwater when using self-propelled vehicles. Next will come wireless Diver-to-diver communications as an integral part of the full-face mask. In the form of an FM single sideband transceiver with a microphone in the mask and an earphone in a disc-like unit attached to the head strap. Small, lightweight headlights with Krypton or Xenon bulbs will be integrated into the mask, allowing two to four hours of white light. Wherever you look,
1: <laughs> thank God most of that. So, flopped, so huh? when you look at somebody else, though, they get nothing but white light in their face. Glad we
0: didn't go that way. Now it is true that a lot of the masks have become much lighter weight. You know, back in the day, in the early '80s, mid '80s, when he, when he's talking here, most of the masks people were using were the big tri window. The, the big lenses were seen as the the best type of a mask because they gave you the most visibility the big single lens on the front the big side windows on the side of the mask part of it was the technology was being built around the technology to be able to manufacture you know they they didn't have the technology to build a mask like they have today where the silicon you know at the time was was all the rage because it was the new technology that was going to be seen to take over those black rubber, yeah, that was being produced. And when they could make a mask clear, that was like, whoa, this looks so futuristic. But little did he know, less than you know, fifteen years later, everybody was going to move away from the clear silicon into the opaqueness of the black because they realized it's far better visibility. In well, it reality. keeps your
1: night vision, if it, you know if that's the right way to put it. So what happens with that especially for photographers when you've got a clear silicone skirt on your mask and it lets in more light to your eye so your eyes aren't as good in the dark, you know? You know how you are when you come in from the sun into a dark room and you can't see anything? Yeah, yes. it takes a few you got to get that night yeah. vision. We used to have to. So I was crew in the service. And I flew tactical medevac, which meant we flew into the front lines. We flew up into the enemy zone. We had to fly low, slow, and no lights. There was a no light rule. And before we would go out, we had to stay in the dark for a half hour.
0: Yeah, because there's those photoreceptors in your eyeball, right, that react Mm -hmm. to the light with different enzymes. And it's going to affect the right. way you see and 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 when the light goes zipping zipping back and forth around you and it keeps well, popping it's
1: coming in the side popping there.
0: your eyes mm-hmm. it takes away from yeah it takes away from the ease of mm-hmm. seeing that's why that black silicon it's like you know trying to look out a window and there's a bunch of glare and reflection so you cup your mm-hmm. hands you know around your eyes so you yeah, can keep kind of, Peer out a window to to cut all that glare yeah, coming in and the around.
1: peripheral light, and again, and it constricts your pupils. In the dark, you want to dilate your pupils because that'll let more light in, and that's what the light, the peripheral light coming in and that skirt will constrict your pupils, which will make it harder to see with um, less light. So, so that's good. They got the opaque skirts.
0: Well, you know what he says is that these masks are all going to transition to full face masks. They're there, <laughs> I think is the big take yeah. is the big takeaway there. I, like, there was an infatuation, and I I think there still is an an infatuation with making scuba full faced helmet esque. Yeah,
1: That's so you can yap you yeah, underwater you are in
0: encapsulate <laughs> exactly. So you're fully encapsulated, which I, I think goes to a, a lot of the way the industry has gone with a lot of where education went. And a focus is is on self-sufficiency and a solo mentality, yeah. right, where uh, you're not thinking long-term that I'm underwater and things can go wrong. I should just always dive and prepare myself for the emergency happening rather than where the equipment technology moved to was – you can be in a happy, peaceful, wonderful place all by yourself with all this awesome gear that will never go mm. wrong. And you got a helmet, and if you want to talk to somebody, you can talk to somebody. And the, the thinking of needing to be able to share gas is still a reality in in post-2020 <laughs> that that's, uh, um, I think that is where the – the smart brain is always going to be, is that you're underwater. You always have to have the, the readiness for that emergency breakdown of my
1: gear. Exactly. Well, you should. I mean, it's it's very foolhardy to say use an absolute like never. I mean, pilots would never, never. <laughs> There's, there I am using it. But a pilot wouldn't say, oh, this technology is foolproof. I don't need to learn my backup emergency procedures. This is foolproof technology. It'll always get me home. I don't need to learn how to navigate an aircraft or a ship because the satellites and computers will just do it for me.
0: Um there's an <laughs> autopilot button right here. <laughs> what's the what's so hard about this plane? Yeah. Now there was a time where the headlamp man did, did they did they really try to get the headlamp going but but like you mentioned earlier the headlamp is only good for one person. Yeah, the head that it's on—it is the worst invention for everybody else. Oh,
1: yeah, well, getting you know blinded underwater when the person looks at you is—it's not that much fun. It takes a few seconds to get your vision back too, especially if you're on a night dive. You know, I just talked about—we just talked about that your, your eyes constrict super fast when that that light gets flashed into your face and then uh then it goes away the light goes away and you're in total darkness and your eyes your pupils are still constricted and it takes time to get them to dilate and
0: And little did they know in 1985 that there would be a major change in the technology of light bulb filamentation (laughs) Filamentation, yeah. right? Whereas krypton and xenon were, were still being discussed the gases, as, yeah. but yeah, like that the, that theory of just light being everywhere, everywhere you looked underwater, which wasn't practical diving.
1: No, with other people.
0: Well, what about fins? What do you think he said about fins, Randall? Do you think he mentions a split anywhere in 1985?
1: I don't know where split fins around. I know the old force fins were out there. No, not yet. No, not yet. yet. The old force fins, which I think are still out there. I think that guy still makes them. They're they're still around, yep. Yep. Have you ever tried force fins? I tried them. Oh, Bob Evans. Yeah, Bob Bob Evans. Evans. There you go. I tried them. I I didn't dig them that much, but... The force fin has got a good downward thrust of a flutter kick. That's all it has, though. Right. I I did not dig it. Again,
0: If all you're going to do is a... Flutter kick, but it's the most inefficient. <laughs> to I mean, be diving, yeah. To, to swim. be swimming. Waste a lot of energy. Yeah, how, how about, yeah, how about, how about you just learn how to kick better? A
1: proper propulsion technique will save you gas, time, uh, and allow you to really enjoy diving. The next generation will be
0: composite fins, he said, of translucent thermoplastic elastomer. Stiffened with boron
1: graphite epoxy ribs. So, a lot of At technological, less than... chemical, engineering type terms out there. Yes. Nice.
0: The atmosphere will be melting
1: before your <laughs> eyes as we
0: produce the <laughs> next, <laughs> the next style of fin. To sell but when you. you
1: think about it, do you remember those old?
0: The, chloro, the chlorofluorocarbons <laughs> yes. the
1: CFCs, will be yeah. burning
0: your eyeballs. with. Uh, you,
1: if you think about it, those technofins are exactly what he's describing. <laughs>
0: they're exactly what he's describing. Yeah, he's describing his exactly. next-year model fin that they're coming out with, which
1: was those... Translucent Those, uh, those carbon, translucent, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. He says that at less than 1.25 pounds per blade, they will be incredibly lightweight. Yet, have the highest stiffness and strain stored energy recovery of any material known. With the added convenience of heel straps and foot pockets that instantly adjust for length and width, the fin customizes to the user. Kicking effort is reduced by 40 to 50%. You're
1: pretty dramatic reading this article. Like, if uh, the average guy was reading this article, it wouldn't be that dramatic, I don't think. <laughs> Well, at least I mean, he he uh, tips ahead at a at a nice stiff blade for better propulsion. Yeah, because finesse. The stiff blade is what moves the water. Mm-hmm. If
0: the fin, if the fin blade is moving, you Brad, are losing power.
1: You and are propulsion. moving, but not you're not pushing any water.
0: Yeah, if the water moves the fin blade, that's a bad design. If the fin moves the water. That's a good design in 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 terms of actual propulsion right. in the water. Now, when he says uh, stiffness and strain stored energy recovery, I get what he's saying. He's saying to let there be some flex, so there's, there's a little bit of a, a motion of, of a snap of a throw. But the focus is on having a stiff blade so that you can move the water off of the fin, rather than you know what a. Very shortly after this is when you started to see a lot of designs of fins. And one of the marketing advantages to the fins were a lightweight, flexible, easy to kick fin. But the problem with those lightweight, easy, flexible, easy to kick fins is they didn't have the power. The problem with the powerful fins were they were too hard for people to kick. Made my legs sore, made my knees sore, made my ankles sore. Uh, uh, got cramps when using them. So I go to a lighter weight, easier kicking fin. Oh, these are so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I run out of gas in five minutes because I'm working my ass yeah. off to swim. Right, So the, that was the trade-off really until I would say split fins came about. was That's why split fins became such a, a popular rage was because it was a light, easy kicking fin that still would allow you to have that old terrible form which is why the stiff fins were difficult to kick for for those divers it's not that the fin was difficult to kick it's that the technique was wrong oh yeah the where you were pushing the water was not conducive for the path that you were trying to travel in the water column right newton's theory of motion of every action having an opposite reaction was not being applied the physics yeah. did well. Work. It was
1: being applied, but it's Word. not. I mean, it, you can't get away from it being applied. Right. But you had to, you know, you had to adjust your buoyancy in order to compensate for the downward thrust of the water. So <laughs> you were going to be go floating upwards with your downward thrust of the water unless you were overweighted, and that's why you see those people seahorsing sea through the water. And when they stop swimming, they sink to the bottom.
0: Very good. So the That split-fin technology came about, and it really allowed you to have what every instructor pretty much would pre-split-fin would have said is a bad kick. It would allow you to have that bad kick and still get comfortable forward motion. Mm -hmm. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like uh, like training wheels on a bicycle.
1: It's a good analogy, yeah.
0: Right. You know, it, it, it's a way to get you underwater, to get you swimming so you can see the fishies, and you can swim around the, the shipwreck, and you can have fun underwater and, and go on a diving vacation. It's inefficient. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah. It is impractical yeah. when you move into a more demanding wow. environment. So th- there's going to be a point when... You get to an environment where you're going to be told, take those off and get the hell right. out of here until you learn how to dive. Like you, like it, this well, is yeah. This is not just kindergarten anymore. Like you really <laughs> got to be able to have technique.
1: Well, it's like taking. A, I like your training wheel uh, comparison there analogy. It's like taking that training wheel bike out onto a mountain biking trail. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it absolutely yeah. is because riding that mountain bike isn't so much about pedaling mm-hmm. up and down. It's the mountain. It's about staying balanced. It's about yeah. the technique of being able to stay balanced. So, really, the the bicycle, the, the hard part of learning to ride a bicycle is balancing on two wheels, which the which the training wheel. Yes, negates. you don't have to learn to
1: balance. Yeah,
0: with a fin when you're. When you're trusting all of your propulsion to the technology of the blade, it's negating what you really need to learn on propulsion, which is being neutrally buoyant, being in balance and in trim so that when you do engage the muscles of your legs, preferably the smaller muscles, which you're working the least, building the least amount of CO2, that you're pushing the water in a way that's conducive for you to travel in exactly the way that you're intending exactly. to move.
1: Exactly. This is like a little mini. I mean, the, the listeners are getting a little mini lesson here. I know we've talked about this a million times, so hopefully some of it's sinking in. They're like, well, maybe they have a point. Maybe.
0: No, they, they already said, okay, <laughs> boomer, back when it's we were okay, talking. Okay, boomer. <laughs> we were talking earlier. They've already, they've already uh, turned the show off. Snorkels. 1985. What do you think he's going to say? About are snorkels are going to be
1: dry, completely dry. Valves will be implanted in the right out of the mouthpiece that will drain. Now water. this is this is technology
0: that I actually do you like, like a dry snorkel. What do you describe Do you have here? a dry
1: snorkel? Is that what you use he's, when you snorkel? Oh no, no. I just use a very I basic use a shotgun. Uh, The Scuba Pro shotgun from from the old days. It's an old one, but it's wonderful. It is a wonderful snorkel.
0: I like a simple non purge snorkel that if I'm actually snorkeling, I can do a displacement. That's how I do mine, and and not even have to clear the snorkel. Exactly, displacement
1: clear is you know if you're gonna snorkel, snorkel right, snorkel snorkel like a pro, and you you pop your head up and you don't have to do a pop of water. It's already gone you're already hit dry
0: it's already gone yes, when you yeah, hit
1: the right. surface i'm with you
0: i'm with you that's that's what i like he says the next trend will be toward low drag configurations including airfoil cross sections <laughs> and uh, this this part i like a collapsible design to help snorkels yeah. disappear
1: I have not needed.
0: Now that now that would be cool technology that it's on your head when you're on the surface, and then when you submerge, it just goes
1: Oh, you want it to go away automatically. It just like (laughs) Oh, that's what I'm that's what I'm I have one of those fold up, you know, they're 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 flexible rubber that you can roll up into a little holder. You ever see that? I used to carry it in my pocket when I taught. So I was in standards. Best best snorkel. Best snorkel in it's the a world. Great snorkel. It is pretty good snorkel. Yeah. yeah,
0: it goes. Uh, goes in. I mean, because I'm never gonna wear a diving. snorkel Mm-mm.
1: underwater when I'm diving. Ever. There's no need. It's it's ridiculous.
0: Now, if I'm out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> where I'm days from land. Yeah. Okay, I might I might say to myself, boy, if, if something bad happened, it might be nice to have a snorkel up here. You know, if I got a long yeah. swim and. I've used all my gas because we got lost and we're swimming to Nowhereville.
1: I love Nowhereville. Okay, I can by the
0: reach way. into my pocket and pull that out to use it as needed. Sure, makes perfect sense. But having that stupid ass thing flapping up against the side of your head the whole time that you're underwater makes absolutely zero sense.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, we talk about this as well, and that requirement for it is it just has me dumbfounded all the time.
0: But I love, uh, I mean, uh, describing the airfoil cross-section, like this is a time that it's not very far from here that the U.S. divers at the time impulse snorkel Mm -hmm. comes out, right? And that was a similar idea of of not quite a cross-foil, but there was a deflector in the top of the snorkel so the water drained out of the top above the surface of the water before it came to the mouth was very innovative i mean that thing was the biggest selling item in yeah. the scuba world for for a very long time and and then shortly after that a bunch of different variations of that came about and the dry snorkel became an integral piece mm-hmm. in the mass fin snorkel equipment sale that was required for Entering a, a modern day scuba course at the time.
1: Yeah, it is part of the uh, equipment sale um, motif philosophy uh, <laughs> philosophy of business for scuba shops, right? Yeah, but again, and, and I get it. You need to have a snorkel when you're going. to You take should scuba know how to class. snorkel. It should be the first at, thing you you know, one of the first things you do. Well, there's well, there's the thing. There should be
0: time right. snorkeling. What what typically happens on the first day of scuba class is. You're gonna do maybe a swim. You're gonna do maybe a maybe a water tread. You know, six of the ten minutes you're supposed to do. We're going but we're running out of time already. Get them you know, in the gear. So here's a math.
1: Let them get him in underwater. the gear,
0: and then the and hook. and swim a lap yeah. of the pool. Did you? Yeah, you keep your head up so you don't take that water right. in or or choke or okay. Boom, let's go. We got we got other stuff to do. So you don't no. really learn. Just there's no time to really lear, really learn snorkeling. You might learn a surface yeah. dive. Yeah. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll go and, and I mean, if you really got an intense class, you might do one kelp dive too. You know. Uh, yeah. But really, but really, learning to be a good, proficient skin diver first is very rare. Were well, you? Yeah, you are
1: a hundred percent right
0: in, in a scuba class. But but when you look at back in the '70s and '80s, you would you would. Spend weeks of skin diving before you even touched. Yeah, you got
1: to have that comfort level in the water, and and uh, watermanship is was a big proponent of being a becoming certified as a diver. But then they switched that teaching philosophy, and they said, "Get them breathing on the equipment the first day. That's the hook, baby. That's, That's the hook. The hook. Then they want to the buy hook. their own equipment. You know, and you'll have it sold to them before right. The end and the then class. it was,
0: yeah. Then it was. We'll worry about the snorkeling <laughs> later, and then uh, then it became ah eh,
1: eh, fuck all that optional snorkel dive. They already bought a package of gear. Well, well here's about- another thing: how am I- I'm not a huge snorkeler. I I mean I love snorkeling when I want to go snorkeling. I love going to the Caribbean and and you know if you're hanging out uh, at the beach, you don't feel like diving that day. It's great to go snorkeling, um, but I I use one snorkel basically, but I own I have about probably a good 50 to 75 snorkels, which is not, you know, nobody should have that many snorkels unless you're a snorkel collector. But I find them everywhere, everywhere. Mask yeah, still yeah. attached a lot of times, you know, but I have all these dry snorkels. I have a couple of these impulses you're talking about. What about suits? What about them? He says that
0: wetsuits are unlikely to see any significant change in the next five I think five he was years. wrong on that. He was yes. very wrong on that. Wetsuits changed yes. dramatically with with the fit and the quality of neoprene rubber. But again, he had he had no well, vision of
1: that. You know, neoprene was neoprene, and they didn't even understand. Once sell neoprene, so that's why uh, uh, nothing's going to happen in that yeah. market. <laughs> right? If he could have made a wetsuit out of translucent <laughs> thermoplastic elastomer <laughs> with boron of Epoxy Translucent wetsuit. Uh, they'd have been all it's, over uh, it, Most divers that I know, I don't want to be able to see through their wetsuit. Because, you know, they're probably wearing a Speedo <laughs> right. or something worse, you know, or nothing. Most divers. Now, some divers. Shout out
0: to <laughs> shout out to girls at scuba.com. Now,
1: you guys can have. For those, for those translucent wetsuits. All the translucent wetsuits you can handle.
0: Um. He says that the greater progress will come in dry suits with dramatically better thermal insulation and more mobility. Today, their principal drawback is the added weight required to neutralize the buoyancy of the air layer between the suit and the body and their annoying tendency to allow the air to shift back and forth from upper to lower extremities when one changes attitude underwater. The solution, he said at the time, will come by compartmentalizing the air throughout the suit. Mm. Flexible weave fabric with ultra-low durometer urethane waterproof coatings will allow this. Body-hugging designs will allow a high degree of freedom while remaining absolutely watertight.
1: He's right to a certain degree. I don't like the idea of uh, compartmentalizing the gas.
0: No, could you it's imagine having like four <laughs> having four inflator <laughs> valves on your dry yeah. suit and four exhaust valves on your dry suit and uh and I think at a time like there was like right around this time there was there was a like an automatic pneumatic inflate deflate valve design that they were trying to produce mm. now, you know not not his company particular but you know where you you know, it was almost automatic—the inflation yeah. of the dry suit, the deflation of the dry
1: suit. I could see but bad again, things happening with that.
0: Yeah, same thing with I, th- I think compartmentalizing right. the suit. Now, what he does mention is correct, mm-hmm. and there's still a holdover to this. You know, with with people that are you know still teaching, doing all of your buoyancy with your dry suit lends itself to the very issue that he's talking about of all that air shifting back and forth and moving into the upper and lower extremities when changing your attitude underwater. What real divers have brought to the game over the last couple of decades is this need for being able to maintain horizontal neutral buoyancy. For this very reason, is that now I can keep less gas mm-hmm. in the suit just enough to really let the undergarment do the work that it needs, and I don't have this big, dramatic shift of gas you know, from one spot to the other that's throwing me all over the place, like you would
1: tend to see back in the 80s, early with the 90s. hefty bag suits, especially. But yeah, the right, and yeah, he's yeah. correct in the um, undergarment technology being advanced to the point where the they're using uh you know the fibers they're creating the undergarments out of now actually you know i don't want to say bond so much but they attach them the gas molecules attach themselves to that those fibers which is where you get your insulation and so they're thinner thinner undergarments that keep you warmer by this technology and um and other technologies as well, right? Yeah. Because,
0: and he's talking about the low durometer urethane, yeah, yeah the water you know, coating. Like he's look, yeah. So they're looking at the technology of mm-hmm. the undergarment being the physical thing to keep you warm and getting rid of all the air in there, mm-hmm. which is what, what what we realize later on. It's the air, right. really, though, that's keeping you warm. So we actually, you, you want the air there. Mm-hmm. Like what you were talking about to so to bond to that material to keep that air with us, we just don't yeah. need that big giant. You just ass want bubble enough
1: in. to get the the squeeze off and keep you warm, but not so much that it creates a what's called a dynamically unstable environment. M- meaning you've got this giant gas bubble that's in a large uh, a large container that can be a flexible container that that bubble just moves all over the place. So it gets trapped in your feet, it gets trapped in your shoulders. It goes all over the place. You don't want that.
0: Yeah, and that's what he's describing here back in 1985, the annoying tendency to allow air to shift back and forth. Well, if you're going to do all of your buoyancy control with your dry suit, especially in a day when everybody was so overweighted because they used their kicking and propulsion to keep them off Mm -hmm. of the bottom, right? so they had to have so much extra gas to even – prevent them from being ultra negative it just lends itself to
1: that very yeah i mean the picture you're painting and you're saying it's from the old days i mean you can still see this picture when you go to the training quarries you know when you watch new divers or divers taking a dry suit class or whatnot they are still doing what you're talking about quite a bit you know it's that using the dry suit completely for your buoyancy
0: well, because it's in it's a in lot manuals. of manuals, training yeah. manuals, it's in the manual, exactly. because they don't think that you have the brain. They know <laughs> that you don't have the brain to be able to control two sources of buoyancy if an emergency mm-hmm. happens on the ascent. So they've dumbed it down to just, just do it all here, and you only got one place to dump gas mm-hmm. out of, and then they're going to teach a whole bunch of emergency recoveries when... The reason you need to learn a bunch of emergency recoveries is because you're using your whole goddamn suit for all your goddamn you're buoyancy. you're going to stuff.
1: have a flyaway ascent. You're going to have runaway ascent all the not all time, but a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I believe that that sets
0: up the stage for why you need to learn mm-hmm. all the emergency procedures in a dry suit is because of how you're taught to control your buoyancy. Agreed. Tanks are going to change, tanks Brad. Are none. Though, from 1985, tanks are changing a
1: lot. How are they changing? And and did they change? How f- was he saying carbon fiber is going to be? And you know, my reply to that is, why are you getting rid of a necessary weight? You have you need weight in that tank to offset the um, gas, <laughs> the volume of empty space in there. You you need extra weight. So what did he say? I, I'm guessing he said carbon fiber tanks, like SCBAs use, firefighters use. Well,
0: we got to remember, eighty-five. We're at a time where the majority of the bottles oh. are
1: steel seventy-two, steel seventy-two, aluminum 80's. at two,
0: 2 hundred and fifty psi,
1: twenty-four-seven. Mm-hmm.
0: The aluminum eighties mm-hmm. are are coming out in that three thousand psi mm-hmm. range. Right, he says, there is recurring talk of 4,500 psi tanks to get more. Europe had those at the time, but that's unlikely. Europe
1: have those back then. I mean, that was kind uh, of—I don't want to say the standard over there, but 4,500 psi, those little tanks. I think even Jacques was using stuff like that. No,
0: no, no. They no, they don't have psi over there. Excuse me. They could never. They could never have. They could never have a
1: 4,500
0: PSI tank over there. Sorry. Because they're in bar. Sorry. sorry.
1: 300 let me, bar. Let me explain this to you. tanks. How's that? <laughs>
0: let, let me explain this. Yeah, but, but it'll never be 4,500
1: PSI. <laughs> exactly right. You got it. What was I thinking? What the hell it's was like, I thinking?
0: It's like... It's like they'll never be able to dive to 100 feet over there because they're in meters. You are. (laughs) Do you get it? it? Do you get where I'm going? What
1: the hell was I thinking? They've really limited themselves over there in Europe. (laughs) They have. They have. They want us to go metric? Forget that noise.
0: (laughs) He says aluminum dominates the tank market due to its immunity to rust, but it cannot hold the pressure Unless it's filament wound, a process that drives up the price enormously. Moreover, the majority of dive shop compressors are designed for 3,500 PSI, not 5,000 PSI. But this could be overcome by using high-powered boosters. The solution to getting more time underwater is not more air, but more efficient use of what we have. That will come by a combination of dive computers that monitor air consumption, more efficient fins, lower drag equipment, and the use of self-propelled diver vehicles that eliminate
1: kicking. Mm -hmm. Well, he's right. Um, With the big emphasis should be just on technique and diving ability. Well, that's
0: how you and I would Mm -hmm. describe the best way to get more time underwater is not a bigger tank. Which is still in 2020 when everybody Whoa. comes in. That's why people come in looking for yeah. 130s. Is uh, I can't stay underwater as long as my buddies. I need a bigger tank. Have you ever thought of learning how to control your <laughs> buoyancy better, sir? Or okay. how, mu- how much? How much yeah. does that cost? What shelf are those on, sir? Where do I? Where or do on I buy the shelf those?
1: Called hard work and. and- yeah, hard just a little work. bit of it. And it's not a lot of hard work. It's a little bit of hard work. It's work, in other words. You have to try something.
0: Yeah, but for the most part, scuba cylinders Haven't today changed. are what we've been using for decades. Mm-hmm. Haven't changed. Haven't changed. Uh, there's some bigger models out there. They've tried the carbon right. ra- mm-hmm. uh, fiber wrapped aluminum. Carbon fiber is never going to work because you're going to need 80 pounds mm-hmm. of lead to get the damn thing underwater. So there's a benefit to having a relatively neutrally buoyant cylinder or a negatively buoyant cylinder, you know, depending on the water environment you're in and the suit that you're using and the equipment configuration you have. All of that works together with your tank choice. Exactly. There, there is no one perfect tank. That's why you know, starting off you know, with that hydro tank thing that we were talking about, there is no mm-hmm. one perfect tank f- for everywhere. It's very location specific. Yeah,
1: to a certain degree, I believe you are correct.
0: Now, Techna in the 80s also had some regulators. Yep. Remember mm-hmm. that little, little yes. side breathing black one with the yeah. little red button? Got
1: one of those, yeah. That really? <laughs> yeah. So,
0: Techna was you know, trying to really take over a,
1: a, a regulator piece. And they of tried the to pie. make it small. That second stage is very small. You know, and
0: and in those days, I mean, the the regulators, especially over here in the U.S., they, you know, the market was really dominated by U.S. divers, Scuba Pro, Decor.
1: Oh, yeah. Back in, yes.
0: Mare's, you know, were were the regulators over here. And and, and in many ways, you know, still still control a, a big piece of the pie today. Techna said that the bulk weight and greater effort of conventional regulators will give way to servo assisted designs, meaning, like the Poseidon mm-hmm. Jetstream style regulator, which wasn't hugely popular over in the
1: states. Right, they had a following. It was like a cult like following. There was there's <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: there's some pockets. Yeah, there's some pockets. There's some cold exactly. water
1: rags. I mean, they had a, they breathed really well, but their you know, their design uh, lent them to certain failure modes that weren't desirable. Yeah, he says just that that their breathing effort is
0: typically 50% less and they do not get harder to breathe right. with depth. The next major change might be in the form of fully self-adjusting tiny servo regulators that have synthetic ruby (laughs) and sapphire combined with titanium nitrated valve mechanisms that never wear, corrode, or change in performance and seldom, if ever, need service or replacement. Their inhalation and exhaust diaphragms will be near inert fluoroelastomeric compounds <laughs> that are immune, immune to deterioration. He uses
1: a lot of absolutes in his description, which we know They will be. <laughs> we know just does not compute when you're talking about diving. And it, although a lot of what he said has come to pass. I mean the the idea of the rubies, yeah, the room- and, yeah sapphire, whatever. And and I I get it because he
0: is correct, but the other side of the seat, yeah, is <laughs> right. So so the the one seat is never going to be yeah. deteriorated, yeah, like, but the, the other cone, side of the seat yeah, is and, and still like that. needs to, we'll still... Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's value to that, and, and I agree. I think that's going to be the next change that that I, I hope I can figure out and have my own regulator design of of the perfect un unservice-needed regulator. I mean, if there's going to ever be a change in regulators, I think that's going to be. Mm. Like, regulators today, I mean, how much easier can you make it's, a regulator? Well,
1: still, a simple design hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, materials have changed. to They're more reliable and, and lighter and whatnot. Um, but... I don't know, James. My thing is, I think you open yourself up to to issues if you are promoting or you're saying, "Listen, I got a regulator. You never need the service," and you sell it at a premium because you're never you're not getting the service money anymore. You know, so that that right. economic impact on your business is going to be substantial. <laughs> so you're going to have to make up for that with a high price regulator. Right,
0: no doubt about it. Especially if you're going to follow the the traditional. Scuba dive right. shop right. model, yeah, you're going to have a hard time bringing that even to right. market. So say
1: you do somehow get it out there. Now you've said it doesn't need servicing, but the moment there's a failure in it, you're liable. You're 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 in hot water, so to speak. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a way that you could
0: blend those two together, though. Like doesn't, for me, like I know what I dive. Yeah. regulator wise. Right, and I'm very happy. Uh, The ease of breathing, the performance, the reliability is is fantastic. I I love what I dive, and that's why I promote Mm -hmm. what I dive. I've used a bunch of other regulators that I couldn't really argue against. They're fine. Like there's a lot of, there's they're totally fine. There's a lot of really good regulators out there. The one thing that, for decades now, that is recurring, is the inconvenience of needing the service, mm. and it always happens.
1: Well, it's Murphy's you know, Law, Not man. when I'm yeah. packing. Fi-
0: it, it happens, like, right before yeah. we're getting ready to do the dive we've yeah. been waiting to do. Like, shit, i got to get all this taken care of now before I go because everything's starting to wear. So having a design that – and I'm not saying that you'll never have to service it. It's unfallible in its performance, but a system that is way more reliable mm. – than the traditional seating surfaces mm-hmm. that we have that can fail in a slightly different way that's doable and, and workable mm-hmm. on a dive. And it's more of a routine inspection. And very rarely
1: do you have to go through a complete right. overhaul. Well, I, I get you. And, but you you work on regs all the time. Let me ask you this. You see some regs come in. They're, they're in decent condition. They're, they look like, gay this guy takes care of his equipment. Um, he brings it in for service. And it, you look at it, you look at all the parts, you take it apart, and you're like, this really didn't, doesn't need servicing. It's, it looks pretty brand new still. Um, but then you have guys or girls or whoever, you have people that bring in the regulators, and they do not take care of those regulators. Oh good God! Yeah, you want to yeah, see the pictures i've, I've got I've got a collection
0: of them on my phone. you need a I book. started a facebook you need to put group. A book out for
1: <laughs> regulator f- oh uh, f- files i guess you call them but um so you have that that wide spe- spectrum of usage and, and care being taken uh, of these pieces of equipment. It'd be hard to have something that's like pretty much across the board yeah you, you, it's going to be able to take that beating like nobody else and you know be to a certain degree fail safe (laughs) i don't know that'd be tough that'd be a tough one bcds BCDs. did they still call them bcds or bc's i call them a bcd still and i'm an angry old man though i'm a you call me a boomer although technically i'm not a boomer he actually calls them buoyancy compensators he says, ultimately, dual
0: bags will give way to nearly indestructible single bag, glue-free, highly
1: flexible. Of course, thermoplastic
0: <laughs> elastomers, uh,
1: denier, <laughs> forty denier or twenty denier ballistic cordura, whatever the fuck they're using. Nah, that's a fad. <laughs> we
0: only deal with thermoplastic, tri-luminescent, nuclear. He says the buoyancy chamber will be modular and snap fit in design, allowing dive stores to custom fit the chamber lengths and plumbing to the individual diver. The modular BC will be cheaper and lighter, have lower drag and be more rugged. The big breakthrough, he says, will be automatic depth control, fully controlled by an 8-bit microcomputer. Hmm.
1: There's no no chance of
0: failure for that.
1: Because <laughs> it's eight bit.
0: <laughs> this, this, it's eight. It's it's, it's totally uh, state of the art. This automatic inflator deflator device will allow the diver to hover at any depth by simply pressing a button on his chest-mounted module. It will sense the water pressure and convert it to a signal that maintains the depth setting by slightly inflating or deflating the buoyancy modules if the diver begins to rise or sink. This, quote-unquote, smart controller will never cause an ascent faster than 60 feet per minute or descent faster than 75 never. feet
1: per minute. Ever.
0: It never. Never. It could be manually overridden in an instant by pushing the depth controller lever up or down to a newly selected Hmm. depth. Interesting that he kind of, I think he might have kind of coined the term smart device that is so rampant on everything nowadays. Maybe. Way to go, Ralph hot (laughs) for coining the smart term. But there's, uh, I think he was right on page with looking at the modularity and the custom fitted designs. Little did he know that it wasn't going to be a mm-hmm. a major increase in technology that would get us there, but it would actually be a a bringing everything back to a minimalist approach with with a custom fitted backplate right. and wing. And
1: you can that, that's a modular design right there. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is, yeah. So.
0: So it wasn't going to be a growth of technology,
1: but a
0: back, actually, Mm -hmm. yeah, like a refinement of pure essentials and not adding a bunch of gadgets, but taking away for cleanliness. Isn't that what we've done
1: though, James? I mean, teaching, teaching what we teach is basically taking the old, taking the essentials and refining it to a, a higher degree of, uh of ability yeah
0: yeah it's not yeah it's it's not using a 1970s backplate instead of a modern Mm -hmm. bcd it's taking everything that we've learned over the decades with buoyancy control weighting distribution of gas to offset negative weight and how to get the cleanest design that has physics working Mm. in your favor just by the mere nature of the science of the product, rather than adding all of this automatic depth control microcomputer (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) It really really is
1: how to make something simple, you know, be a lot of work, be, be very complicated. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's taken, we've taken advantage of, uh, material science and technology and, and, the stuff's made out of very durable stuff that lasts a long time and gets the job done and it's comfortable.
0: Yeah, it takes the human out of diving. Technology, is what all the yeah. technology's trying right. to do, right? right. And I, I again, you know, you and myself are have built our presentation yeah. of this game around Human dynamic. Making it more making it more human, making it more real, so that your brain is always the main piece of equipment. As it
1: should be. As it goddamn should be, right?
0: Whereas back in the in the eighties when they were looking to the future, it was Hey, we're gonna design a brain better than your mm-hmm. brain. And all you gotta do is inhale and exhale and it's gonna do yeah. it all for you. And I'm, I'm glad we haven't got there. I'm glad there's
1: still people like us that are, that are clinging on to keeping it human. Well, I mean, isn't that what we are and <laughs> shouldn't we? And I guess you could apply this to everything in the, that's going on in the world. Let's keep the humans involved with the planet here. <laughs> let's let's not relegate them into uh, non-existence. So My social commentary, with sorry. Vol- <laughs> <laughs> we have that delay, man. Next is vehicles.
0: He says that with the advent of low-cost, high-reliability diver vehicles, the sport will make its biggest leap in more than a decade. The added capacity to effortlessly go three to five times as fast, travel ten times as far, and cut air consumption in half will change the role of the sport diver from one of being a temporary hydrospace intruder whose forays are measured in minutes to one of an explorer who pilots his way through hydrospace for hours, charting the unexplored reefs, wrecks, and caves. There is no way to reduce respiratory work in regulators or kicking effort in fins to match or even approach the reduction in air consumption by the work reduction in underwater vehicle affords. One might liken the difference in effort between running 10 miles and riding on a motor scooter for 10 miles. This new wave of vehicles will be so quiet that they will be virtually undetectable. The undersea shuttles will spawn a new generation of instruments such as pictographic representation of a battery showing the level of charge remaining and bitmapped graphics that show the relative position and actual heading from the starting point. An artificial flight map will be a guide to safe return. Simply pushing a button will generate the proper heading. For the fastest way home, I think he hit
1: that on the head, though. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I was just gonna say if he if he hit anything yeah. with accuracy, it was the the DPV for sure. Like when you look at the technology there of of what's happened. Now he he missed the yeah. timeline a bit. It was gonna be about fifteen twenty years before this even really exactly. got started. Yeah. But what's happened in the last decade from the 2010s to the twenty twenties yeah. in in DPVs is absolutely awesome, mind blowing, yeah. and. And these guys, you know, being that he was with Technico. They were
1: scooter people.
0: They were scooter people and they were gauge people. Like, they they had that Digitech computer. They had that Computech computer with the pixelated, Mm -hmm. you know, gauge measuring the air. So he was right on track with what they were going to be doing back then. And I think had they stayed around with the vision that they had, you know, they were later – bought out sold out changed to what we now know Mm -hmm. as ocean reef which kind of went in a bit of a different direction full face mask with the yeah with the equipment philosophy overall but had they stayed on track with their scooter stuff the team you know with old ralphie Mm -hmm. running the show uh who knows where they would have taken scooters at the time you know with, with where
1: they are today but he, the Makos were basically a techno ripoff, right? They, but they were the same scooter for all intents and purposes. And they are at the root of, you know, the stepping stones of DPVs to get us where we are today, you know.
0: And he said it correctly right there.
1: The The underwater yeah. mapping uh, technology. Well, but, yeah. Yeah, Crazy.
0: exactly. With, uh, you know, this is how we were going to stay underwater for yes. hours. Charting unexplored reefs and wrecks and caves. And when you look at cave exploration today, it would not be possible without the DPVs that, that are being used, right? Advanced there's, DPVs, there's, there's yes. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that you know these divers that are exploring cave depths of multiple hundreds of feet, doing miles dives that miles. last mm-hmm. hour miles of penetration, hours of exploration underwater on a single dive the only way to be able to mm-hmm. get to that point is with the dpv technology yeah so worked. he hit it and it started like in the in the early days it was that tech the scooter that was yeah. that was the, the the first job right yeah
1: man that's uh they, they did hit that one directly on the head and i will say there's very few things that are as much fun as scootering underwater dpving using a dpv especially a nice dpv Underwater, or in a cave, or around a wreck, a big wreck, you know, or even just heading out on the reef type environment, and just heading out and exploring.
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 like flying uh-huh. over
1: cave, cave on a DPV you know, is like it, a fighter jet going through a canyon. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It is the most fun you'll have. It's
0: like it's like that scene from exactly. Star Wars
1: where he uh, you know yeah. has to blow up Death Star. The, the yeah, de- tries to blow yeah. up Death
0: Star. You know. It's that
1: season. Exactly. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I re- I can remember when I bought my first... Well, I had a, I had the uh, Makos back in the day, which I wouldn't use. You know, they, they pull you okay. But when I saw a, uh, a couple Gavins and Devils when I was cave diving, uh, going through the gallery, I was up high, and they came underneath me. And I got the video of this still, and the guys that... It was Mike Barnett and somebody else, a couple other guys. Anyway, uh, when I saw them with those scooters, on my way home from Florida on that trip, I ordered up. To, I had to have them. Got two two Gavins right after that immediately. That's, a, that's And I never looked back. Those things were, you know, that opened the door for me. I've been scootering ever since.
0: And then today,
1: even yes. that... Is it's old-dated old
0: mm-hmm. technology. It's, it's crazy, though. I mean, if anything has had a huge technological improvement in diving that's, that's been on a good mm-hmm. path, it, it's been the scooter it's a technology. It's steep climb, for yeah. For sure. That and this last one that he has in here is gauges. We don't need no stinking gauges. He says the microelectronic revolution is about to descend on the sport of diving. Tiny digital dive timers powered by 4-bit mono-chip microcomputers are paving the way for sophisticated, highly integrated, 8-bit microcomputer-driven 8-bit. They will reliably... 8-bit. <laughs> <Eight> 8-bit. <laughs> they will reliably manage the inputs from multiple sensors, such as high and low-pressure transducers and thermistors. The results will be digitally displayed information that is instantly recognizable by its pictograph shapes. For example, tank pressure will be read out in actual PSI. It will also be displayed in the form of a scuba tank with the level dropping as one consumes air. Remaining air time will be computed for breathing rate and pressure drop and digitally displayed in a window next to an hourglass. He's basically describing his computer that he's
1: coming out with. The an eight-bit. It's an eight-bit. So we're at we're right. at like and, sixty-four and, bit right now, and it
0: will, yeah, and it will also play Breakout
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. Eight-bit. I don't know if eight-bit can handle that, but we're at like sixty-four bit. And just to give you an idea, going from thirty-two bit to sixty-four bit, a sixty-four bit processor can access. I think it's like. Over 4 billion times the physical memory of a 32 bit processor. 4 billion times a f- of a 32 bit So he's talking 8 bit. What is that? that <laughs> you're Stone Age. You're like, you got a, a big old bone in one hand and a, and a fucking spear <laughs> in the other. <laughs> and you're going out hunting with this 8 bit computer.
0: He says decompression status will be read out in the form of remaining no decom time, not only in minutes, but also in the manner of a human form that fills up with nitrogen as we rep- as we approach our no decompression time limits. I yeah. did call that out, you know, for the because now like every computer's got that right, loading right. graph.
1: You know, Physical built representation the side of, right? of uh, graphics. His,
0: his model physically <laughs> had like a cutout shape of a stick yeah. figure. That, de, 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 the pixels built up as you got closer and closer to your NDL. Ultimately, well-designed displays should allow the diver to glance at the tank and see that it is not empty. And glance at the body and see that it is not full. The balance of the information is more technical support data for decision-making beyond, am yeah. I Okay. As an example, he says, the no decompression time and remaining airtime numbers tell the diver he should perhaps ascend to shallower depths to increase his bottom time and lower his air consumption. Useful decompression computers will have to be based on the multi-level dive concept where decompression status is based on actual time at actual depth. This will safely allow the diver more no decompression time in multi-level dives, but provide no advantage in staged dives based on, say, the U.S. Navy tables. However, if a diver gets into decompression, he will be penalized as though he were stage diving. He says, clearly the efficiency comes in staying within the computer's no decompression limits, which will use tissue saturation ratios more conservative than the old U.S. Navy's. These new generation computers will store the last 100 dives, allowing them to be recalled and reconstructed on an IBM PC interface unit at any worldwide decompression site one would simply plug a tiny connector into an access port of the instrument plug for a readout. Ha!
1: <laughs> IBM <Ha>! PCD. <laughs> you mean your phone? <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. funny though. I mean, he, he he's nailed a lot on, on right on the head there. Uh, but we've even gone a thousand times past that, right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, not even. Uh, I mean. I mean he was correct for approaching the year two thousand, mm-hmm. but us now at twenty twenty, we have left that yeah. so far behind. You know, no one would have even yeah. thought of of the the capability of what Bluetooth is yeah. doing today, right? I mean, it's the the, the wireless world is amazing, um, and he he did he does mention you know clearly the, the industry and keep in mind technically. Techna at the time was on the forefront of yeah. computer technology, you know right alongside with Oceanic at the time. You know they were really trying to bring out these sport computers to the world and It was all a no decompression limit based and and even approaching decompression was a, a big fear for mm-hmm. everybody in the industry, which is what we 've seen in the, in the, the world today is. Thankfully, too, I would say that most people are realizing that decompression shouldn't be a topic to avoid in, in training and be like a no-no zone. It should be a topic of this is the reality, and every dive really is decompression. It's a matter of mm-hmm. how much risk you are willing to put into the game, and there's a way to avoid most of it, and there's a way to really uh, put yourself in danger, But there's really no way to completely get
1: rid of it it, it, unless you just don't go diving. I was going to say, diving by its very nature requires decompression because it compresses you. And then you have to be decompressed to come back to the surface, right? So you can't get away from it, period. But you're right. We need more understanding of it and more being taught in 101 versus just do what your computer says.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I'm still a, a, a huge fan of yeah. ratio deco. I mean, it's it, it's the the it's simple and it's the only way somebody's really taught to know what the computer yeah, is telling. What's
1: going you. on with a computer? O- mm-hmm. Other
0: than yeah, this is this is why your computer's going to tell you what it's telling you. This is why the tables are doing what they're doing. And and there's I mean. Otherwise, you sit there and they have the argument of, what computer yeah. do I use? There's only 100 different models what on the market. Factors. I hope I don't buy the wrong one. What, well, what gradient algorithm. factor do I use? Do I use VPM? Do I add a plus? It do I not matter, do, a two plus? do I go <laughs> negative four? <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I prefer knowing uh, a, a strategy that I can fall back on and, and, and rely on comfortably. Yeah. And... A teammate yes. that shares that so that now together, we've got just a ton of mm-hmm. working confidence underwater. That's my, but Hey, that's, um, look at that. Look into the future from 1985 into where we are today in scuba, the future, as we are well into the 2020s now. So I, I think this was a fun look at an old look at scuba equipment, as you might be thinking yourself, of what yeah. equipment do I want?
1: There you go. It is the Christmas season. It is that holiday giving season, right? Gifts. Absolutely. So get those uh, those lists out with uh, some scuba gear on them. All right, Brando, hand me your translucent <laughs> thermoplastic
0: elastomer boron graphite ribbed logbooks. So Here, it. here's my
1: eight bit logbook. You just <laughs> type it in on my IBM PC. Uh, (laughs) 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 And my dot matrix computer, we can print out the the whole dive log.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, we hope you had fun learning about all this futuristic dive gear.
1: We will talk to you in the (laughs) future. Hey, I got to go hop in my flying car. We'll be back later. Thanks, James. (laughs)
0: Well, <laughs>